Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. One person with courage equals a majority. Elijah reminds us that one believer empowered by the Word of God, prayer, and the Holy Spirit of God equals a true world changer. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Some people believe that if God really does exist, He doesn't care about what's happening in our lives. But it's clear from Scripture that God is intensely interested in what takes place here on earth. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress asserts that God is alive and active, and He's using ordinary people like you and me to transform our culture. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Before we start today's message, I'd like for you to imagine taking a stroll alongside a beautiful hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. This is one of the many glorious sights that I'll be showing you on the upcoming Pathway to Victory Tour of Israel. The dates are April 25th through May 5th. In addition to overlooking and even sailing on the Sea of Galilee, you'll also spend time at the Garden Tomb where Jesus conquered death and rose to everlasting life. We'll stand on the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended into heaven and where He will return one day soon. All the information for this tour is on our website, and you can find out more and, more importantly, reserve your spot by going to ptv.org. And then, I'll remind you that we're in the middle of a biographical series based on the life of Elijah, and it's called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. Most people think of Elijah as a Superman saint, but he had flaws and weaknesses just like we do. To help you dig deeper into this topic on your own, I've prepared a six-panel brochure called The Elijah Map, and it will be a great resource for you to use as we go through this study together. The Elijah Map is our gift to you simply for going to ptv.org. In addition, I've written a best-selling book as well about Elijah on which this series was based. My book is titled Choosing the Extraordinary Life, God's Seven Secrets for Success and Significance. And when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory, we'll make sure you receive your copy right away along with the new Life Application Guide. Now, let's turn our attention to God's Word as we continue the message we began yesterday titled, Convictions That Will Change Your World. What is it that made Elijah a giant in his time? It was embracing three convictions that not only molded his own life, but allowed him to change the world. And today, we're going to talk about those three convictions that will change your life and change the world around you. Conviction number one is this, God is alive and active in the culture. If you're gonna change your world, you have to believe God is actually alive and he's active in the culture. When Elijah stood before evil King Ahab and Jezebel, 1 Kings 17, 1, he said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Elijah didn't believe he was serving a set of ideas. He was serving a living being named Jehovah God. Conviction number two 
If we're going to change the world around us, we have to understand that we are God's representative to the culture. Now, as you search through scripture, you'll discover the Bible uses three analogies to describe our relationship to the culture around us. First of all, the Bible uses the analogy of an ambassador. The way God voices his message of love and reconciliation and the gospel of Christ to the world is through you. You are God's mouthpiece. You are his ambassador. God has charged you with that ministry of sharing with others how to be reconciled to God. The second illustration analogy he uses is salt. We talked about this last time, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. In Jesus' day, salt was a preservative. Salt did not prevent the decay of meat. It delayed the decay of the meat. And Jesus said one reason he's left us here as his representatives in the world is to help delay the decay of this world so we have longer to share the gospel. Now, salt does meat no good whatsoever if it stays in the salt shaker. No, salt is only good is if it penetrates the culture and influences the culture. That's what God has called us to do, to be salt in this world. And then the third analogy he uses is we are light. Look at verses 14 to 16 of Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know what's interesting to me? In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But now that Jesus is in heaven, he says in this passage, you are the light of the world. The world can't see Jesus. He's gone. He's in heaven. But he shines his light through you to others. Now, the only way light is any good is if it's visible. And it's the same way with us. We cannot stay hidden. We can't keep our faith hidden. We can't remain in our holy huddles in churches like so many Christians are advocating we do today. No, we have to confront the darkness with the light of God's word. Now, Elijah understood that. He understood he was an ambassador, he was salt, and he was light. But he went through periods of discouragement. If we're not careful as this world continues to deteriorate and darken, we can get discouraged. And that's why we need to have this third and final conviction, and that is God is able to change the culture. Now, while it's true we're ambassadors, we're salt, we're light, by ourselves we are absolutely useless in changing the culture. We can't change anybody. God is the one who changes people. God is the one who changes the world, but he does it through us. He has chosen to partner with us in this mission to change the world. Isn't that what Philippians 2.13 says? For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the power and the desire to do his will. God is working through you to be that change agent in the world. How do we partner with God effectively to change our culture and change our world? 
by following the pattern of Elijah, this prophet we're studying. I want you to notice three things Elijah did that we must do if we're going to partner effectively with God in changing the world. First of all, we must trust in the power of God's word. We must trust in the power of God's word to change people. Remember when Elijah stood before Ahab and Jezebel and said, it is not going to rain because of, for three and a half years because of your idolatry. He didn't just pull that prophecy out of his head. He was quoting Deuteronomy 11 and Deuteronomy 28, when hundreds of years earlier, God had said to the nation of Israel, if you follow after other gods, I will turn off the faucet of blessing from heaven. Elijah was basing his message on the truth of God's word. 900 years after Elijah said that, the writer of Hebrews said the same thing in Hebrews 4.12 about the power of God's word. For the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than two, any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. People are not changed by your words or my words, but they are changed by the word of God. The word of God is like a surgeon's scalpel. Think about a surgeon's scalpel in the days before anesthesia. When the surgeon, the doctor would cut into you, that was very painful. But without the hurting, there could be no healing. That was the power of God's word to hurt and to heal. And in the same way today, when you are speaking God's word, God's word has the ability to cut through the darkness of a person's heart like nothing else in order to bring healing. We have this catchphrase we talk about. We talk about piercing the darkness with the light of God's word. God's word has the ability to pierce through the darkness. I had a great illustration of that just this past Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, past Wednesday night, I was in Fort Myers, Florida, a city that had been hard hit by Hurricane Irma. I was invited to come speak at the First Assembly of God Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And it's a great church. The place was packed out, huge auditorium. The pastor there, Pastor Dan Betzer, is 80 years old, going strong for the gospel. And so he stood up to introduce me. And as soon as he stood up to introduce me, the lights started flickering in the sanctuary. The sound system began popping. And as soon as he finished his introduction, all the lights went out. All of the sound system went out. All of the much needed air conditioning went out. And there we were in the darkness. And Pastor Dan, great line said, See what happens when you invite a Baptist preacher to an Assembly of God church. <laughs> so we're sitting there in the complete darkness. So he said, Pastor, what do you want to do? He just shouted to me, there's no PA system. I said, I want to preach the word of God. And the people started applauding. So I stood up, somebody gave me their cell phone. I used the light in order to read the Bible. And for 35 minutes, I preached in utter darkness. <laughs> complete darkness, no air conditioning, no sound system. I gave the invitation thinking nobody could have even heard what I said. And when I gave the invitation, a multitude of people gave their life to Jesus Christ. It was the most incredible experience I've ever had. 
They certainly weren't saved by the power of my voice. They could barely hear me. They were saved because of the power of God's word. And if you're going to change the world around you, like Elijah, you have to be convinced that the word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Secondly, we must practice the power of prayer. If we're going to change this world, we have to practice the power of prayer. In James 5, verses 16 to 18, it says this about Elijah. For the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And then James uses this illustration, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it did not rain on earth for the three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. James attributes that lack of rain and then the abundance of rain through the prayer life of the prophet Elijah. Mark this down. Remember it forever. If we're to influence our culture, we have to begin on our knees. Show me a person who's effective in public, and I'll show you somebody who's effective in private in their prayer time with God. If we're going to speak persuasively to the culture, we have to speak first passionately with God. A person who is going to change his world certainly trusts in the power of God's word, but he practices the power of prayer. And thirdly, if we're going to change our world, we must depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting as you look through Elijah's life, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, The Holy Spirit's not mentioned one time by name, but his fingerprints are all over Elijah's life. Whether it's in the case of that call he received, as we'll look at next time, to hide himself by the brook Kareth, or his power to raise the widow's son from the dead, or his ability to call down fire from heaven, or even listening to that still small voice in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit empowered Elijah. But did you know that you and I have a benefit that Elijah or anyone in the Old Testament didn't have? And that is, we have the power of the permanent indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Elijah and all the Old Testament saints, at times the Spirit came upon them for a particular purpose, but they didn't enjoy the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said in John 14, verses 16 and 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. If you're a child of God, You have the permanent indwelling Holy Spirit of God. He's powerful. He's working not only to change your life and make you more like Christ, but he is at work in your life to influence the lives of others. We said God is the one who works through us to work in our world, and that means to work in other people's lives. You say, well, what is it that the Holy Spirit is doing through me in the life of other people? First of all, the Holy Spirit is working in your life to lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. Again, remember the ambassador? The ambassador is the king's mouthpiece. And in the same way Paul said, when God wants to say to the world, be saved, come to Christ, he does that through you and me. 
Now think about it. God doesn't need us to win other people to Christ, does he? He could articulate his message of salvation any way he wanted to. Why not just put a giant neon sign in the sky that flashes every day at noon? Jesus saves, Jesus saves. He could do that if he wanted to. Or he could give a thunderous voice from heaven every day at three o'clock. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He doesn't do that. Instead, he has entrusted that message of salvation to you and me. John 16, 8 says, and the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The way the Holy Spirit convicts the world is through you, by empowering you to be God's representative in the world. He doesn't do it apart from you, apart from me. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in our life to others is to lead them to faith in Christ. But did you know another way the Holy Spirit is working in our life? He's using us to restrain evil in the world. You hardly ever hear this talked about in the church today. But did you know the way God is restraining evil in the world right now is through the Holy Spirit in us? Listen to the words of 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 to 7. Now, I want you to look at this very carefully. Paul is talking about the end times and the rise of the Antichrist, the great world dictator. He says, and you know what restrains him, that's talking about the Antichrist now, so that in his time he may be revealed. Something is restraining that Antichrist from coming on the world scene right now. Paul said, you know what it is. Then he goes on to say in verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. There is a he somewhere who's not only restraining the Antichrist, but he is restraining evil in the world until he, this whoever he, he is, is taken out of the world. Who is the he? It's the Holy Spirit. Right now, the Holy Spirit is keeping Antichrist from coming to power. He's keeping utter lawlessness and chaos from engulfing the world until he, the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the world. When's the Holy Spirit gonna be taken out of the world? At the rapture of the church, when all believers are taken out. So if that is right, then how is the Holy Spirit restraining evil in the world right now? He's doing it through believers. Get that? The restrainer, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the world because believers are going to be taken out of the world. If the Holy Spirit is restraining evil, he's doing it right now through you and me. That is one of our duties here on earth is to be a restrainer of evil. The Holy Spirit in us, we're like Hoover Dam, keeping a floodwater of evil and chaos from totally engulfing this world until God says it's time. You know what that means? That means every time you speak out against a curriculum in your local school district, an immoral curriculum, every time you do that, every time you vote against a candidate who is for abortion, every time you vote for a candidate who protects religious liberty, every time you do anything in this culture to restrain evil, you are performing the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And if we fail to be that Hoover Dam that God intended us to be, then evil breaks out in the world. 
That's what God says we are here to do. We are that restrainer of evil, the Holy Spirit working within us. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have any choice but to get engaged with the culture around us. That's what God has called us to do. Now, admittedly, that can be discouraging at times. Being that restrainer of evil, being that salt and light, being that ambassador is neither comfortable nor convenient. But that's what God called us to do, even when we don't think we're being successful. A lot of times, we may be taking a stand for God, thinking we're utterly failing, but not knowing those we are influencing around us. You know, I think about the story, the true story of our sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams felt like God's purpose for him on earth was to remove the scourge of slavery from the United States of America. After he finished his term as president, he actually went back into the House of Representatives. And there in the House of Representatives, he fought for nine years to remove the gag rule that kept slavery from even being discussed on the House floor. And once he successfully removed that gag rule, he spoke passionately, regularly about what an abomination it was to enslave other human beings. But regardless of what he said, he was voted down every time. John Quincy Adams went to his deathbed feeling like he was a failure in achieving God's purpose in his life. But what Adams didn't know was Every time he stood up to speak, in the back of the chamber, there was a little-known congressman from Illinois named Abraham Lincoln, who listened passionately to what Adams said. And Abraham Lincoln was so moved by the passion of John Adams that through God's guiding hand, he not only issued the Emancipation Proclamation, but he succeeded in ratifying the 13th Amendment of the Constitution, which forever forbids slavery. That's the power of one person. John Adams reminds us that one person with courage equals a majority. Elijah reminds us that one believer empowered by the Word of God, prayer, and the Holy Spirit of God equals a true world changer. Changing the world happens one person at a time. And you can begin the adventure today by applying these biblical principles in your life. Earlier in today's program, I mentioned my best-selling book called Choosing the Extraordinary Life. If you're ready to go all in with God and live with no regrets, you'll find the roadmap for doing so in this book. I'll help you discover the sweet spot of your passions and gifts and see how your passions can be used by God to reach others. I'll show you how to stand strong in a godless culture, even when you feel all alone. Plus, there's a life application guide with thought-provoking questions to answer on your own or in a small group setting. Ask for a hardbound copy of my book called Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the corresponding life application guide when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. It's impossible to overemphasize the value of your generous gifts to Pathway to Victory. I recently heard from Eric, who listens in Arizona. Eric wrote, 
Pastor Jeffress, you once told a story about a prairie fire, and you said, the fire cannot come where it's already been. With all the forest fires in our country these days, I've thought about your teaching. I'm grateful that Jesus took the fire of God's wrath so that we wouldn't suffer. It gives me courage because the fire of God's wrath cannot come to a place where it's already been. Well said, Eric. And now, let me urge you to do your part in giving generously so that we can continue to reach listeners like Eric. God will use your partnership to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request a copy of the best-selling book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the Life Application Guide. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you both the CD and DVD sets for the Choosing the Extraordinary Life teaching series. You can listen to the CDs on your own or watch the DVDs together with your Bible study group. To request the complete Choosing the Extraordinary Life teaching set, including the book, the application guide, the CD, and DVDs, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. If you choose to write to us, here's the address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us again Monday when we move forward to secret number three, waiting on God's timing. That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.